0: Hello, Bulls Nation. Welcome to another episode of the Rebuildable Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Gentile, and it's officially a new chapter for the Chicago Bulls. They've hired a new vice president of basketball operations. Arturis Karnaschovas from the Denver Nuggets is the new man in charge. There were concerns that Gar GARPACs would still be lingering, but based on all the credible reports out there from guys like Casey Johnson, Joe Cowley, Adrian Wojnarowski, Karnaschovas is going to be the lead voice in all basketball decisions. Bulls fans, it's finally happened. We've been asking for a new voice in the room for a while. Guess what? John Paxson's basically being paid to drop by the Advocate Center a couple times a week for a cup of coffee. Gar Foreman, he's gone. Fired as GM. This change has been brewing for a while, it's been brewing, probably since the moment Tom Thibodeau was fired in 2015. It started to boil when the rebuild started in the summer 2017, right when Jimmy Butler was traded, and as the 2019 and 2020 seasons progressed, it really came to a head. You know, even those fans giving Gar Packs the benefit of the doubt, they couldn't do it anymore. They were starting to grow frustrated. They knew that something was rotten. In the Chicago Bulls. Sure there were decent drafts lately. But the lack of player development. Was a concern. The lack of creativity to use the trade market. To gain desirable assets. Was a concern. The lack of health. Was a concern. Hell, the lack of a modern NBA front office. One without a beefed up scouting department. An analytics department. Sports science department. That was a concern. And guess what? You cannot rebuild right now or win effectively without a sound front office setup. So, kudos to, to Michael and Jerry Reinsdorf for realizing change was needed. Now, during Kernoshov's introductory press conference, Michael did go out of his way to say that John Paxson was the one who approached him about making radical changes. Now, still, I applaud Michael. For actually seeing it through because it's been long overdue and we know that the Reinsdorfs are very loyal and pulling the trigger was something many of us were skeptical it was going to happen we didn't think Michael and Jerry had it in them to do it but they did it they pulled the trigger they made the move that needed to be made so Gar Pax John Pax and Gar Foreman they had to combined 17 years to make this work to build the Chicago Bulls into a title contender. And look, they built some really nice playoff teams. A near contender that got to the Eastern Conference Finals in 2011, but they could never get the Bulls over the hump. Get them to that seventh championship. They could just never do it. And look, we've talked ad nauseum about it here. We know the track record by heart. This podcast has done in-depth looks we did a special series last summer called "Grading Gar We dived into all the good, the bad, the ugly moves they made, and I don't think—I don't think they were failures. I want to—I want to get that on the record. I think they did a solid job, you know. But like any front office that doesn't win after a long period of time, you run your course, and the league passed both of them by. Now, I give probably more credit for some of the successes. I, give, I would give more of it to John Paxson. I know that's controversial with some, but you know he came in here in 2003 and corrected a major mess left by Jerry Krause's failed rebuild. Paxson brought in guys like Ben Gordon, Kirk Heinrich, Luol Deng, Joe Kim Noah. He didn't buy into the Michael Beasley hype, and he made the correct decision with the number one overall pick in Derrick Rose. So I give him a lot of props for bringing in players I rooted for and for building teams that I look back very fondly of. Unfortunately, he just couldn't seal the deal. He couldn't get that seventh championship that the Bulls have been dying for, that Bulls fans have been dying for for years. It was evident he wasn't adapting to this new NBA, that he wasn't able to embrace some of the focus on player development, scouting, beefing that area up. Couldn't convince the Reinsdorfs to do things like that. And Gar? Gar had become toxic. I mean, look, the reports and rumblings from all those players and agents around the league, they were really concerning. Really concerning. The talk of Gar always undermining coaches, players, staff. It, it was a bad look. It's a bad thing to do but it was certainly a bad look and the fact that he was still here just added on to this perception that the Chicago Bulls don't look after their players that they care about their management more than they care about the product on the court and it just drove home that narrative so much by having gar foreman still here despite this toxic nature he had about him but it's a new day it's a new day bulls nation There's new blood here, a fresh set of eyes from the outside, which is something that we've never really seen with a Reinsdorf-run organization. This is a first. You're getting a fresh perspective from outside the organization. So we've had reports that, that Karnaschovas is set to revamp the entire structure of the Chicago Bulls front office now he he also hinted to that during his introductory press conference as well we can expect not only a new general manager but also multiple assistant GMs and executives in fact it's been reported that he's hired JJ Polk um, an up-and-coming executive to be the uh, to be one of probably many assistant GMs with the Chicago Bulls and he also hired Nuggets Pro Personnel Director Pat Connolly to join the front office. His title is uh, still yet to be determined, but, you know, two really nice hires. We've heard names like uh, Nazi Muhammad as a potential person to fill that, that GM void. And, you know, he's an up-and-comer in the league. So this is this is setting up to be a, a nice setup, one where there's a, a lot of voices in the room, a collaborative environment. And to give you some insight on, on Karnashov, it's very interesting. You know, he was an international scout, for the Houston Rockets under Daryl Morey for five years, and during that time, he also ran the Adidas Euro Camp. If you're not familiar with the Adidas Euro Camp, it's basically a scouting combine for European prospects. So he organized that. And he was also international scout for the Rockets. In 2013, he was hired as the Nuggets' assistant GM, and during that time. He had an interesting um, track record. You know, he, he still was the, the main voice in international scouting, of course. And his claim to fame is that he heavily lobbied for drafting Nikola Djokic in the second round of the 2014 draft. And Jokic has become an all-star in this league. In fact, he was a, a finalist for the MVP award last season. So that sort of got a lot of people's attention. Um, he was a finalist for the Nets and Bucks GM openings, and it was off the heels of those interviews that got him the promotion to general manager in Denver in 2017. And it's interesting where, you know, you look at those places he comes from. You spend time in, in Houston. I mean, that says a lot. Usually means you're organized, you embrace analytics, anybody that works for Daryl Morey has to have that, that sort of mindset. And Denver also has a very large and a very collaborative front office. And I think that situation alone in Denver merits a lot of intrigue. You know, I already brought up Jokic, but with Karnashovis as a key executive, they built teams through the draft. They made shrewd trades. They filled holes with solid free agent signings, not flashy signings, but solid ones. I think Paul Millsap is probably the the best and most recent example of that when they signed him. You know, if you recall, after the Carmelo trade and, and towards the end of the George Carl era, you know, things were kind of rough. They were sort of in that no-man's land. And, you know, when Karnaschovas and the new regime came in, the Nuggets endured some rough times. They, they had two 30-win seasons. Um, They eventually got to some respectability in 2017, 2018. They just missed the playoffs. But by 2019, they had built a solid organization, a very solid team. And last season, they won 54 games. They were the number two seed in the West. This year, they were also having a really good year before it was suspended. So there's a lot to be excited about. When you look at how a team like Denver was built, you're seeing that this philosophy is starting to potentially take shape here in Chicago. Now, do I know if Karnaschovas is going to build a contender? No, I can't guarantee that. But still, I'm very excited. First off, change was needed. The, The Bulls needed a new perspective to bring the organization into the 21st century. That alone is enough to make any Bulls fan thrilled. But second... Given what I've read about him, and I've heard from other executives, players, coaches, a lot of great things people are saying. Tom Thibodeau gave him a ringing endorsement on uh, Cap and Company on ESPN One Thousand last week. Um, you know, but I think he can at least help this franchise turn a corner and regain some much-needed credibility. I mean, think about this: whether he decides to tear it down again to the studs, go through another large rebuild, or he retools with the current core, so Levine, Markinen, White, Carter, I still think, with whichever route he goes with, I still think that other players around the league are going to be a lot more interested in talking to Chicago than they were in the last five years, okay? And that definitely, that definitely should be enough to make you happy, Bulls Nation, it certainly has me pumped for Bulls basketball, whenever it returns. So to shed some more light on the Arturus Karnashovis hiring and and to get into what's next for the Bulls, I have a special guest joining me, uh, Josh J from the Bullish Podcast and On Tap Sportsnet. He goes by at Josh J Bulls Hoops on Twitter, and if you're not following him, if you haven't checked out the Bullish Podcast. Um, definitely check it out. He's in my opinion, uh, one of the bright up and comers in the podcasting and blogging world for the Chicago Bulls. So let's bring him on. Uh, Josh, first off, how you doing and how are you adjusting to the new
1: normal? Hey, what's up, Matt? Thanks for having me on. And obviously, you know, this whole, uh, quarantine self-isolation sort of thing, it's been tough. It's been a lot different. It's been a hard adjustment, uh, in New Zealand, obviously, where I'm at, uh, everything's on lockdown. It's been like that for the last couple of weeks. Everything's shut. McDonald's, restaurants, uh, pretty much every grocery store aside from like three per stay. So, you know, it's been a really tough adjustment. Uh, obviously, this has given me a lot more time to do stuff like, you know, getting on podcasts with you. So uh, I'm happy to be here and uh, thanks for having me on. You look at
0: that, That you put a positive spin on that. You got a chance to come on a Bulls podcast. I know you, you do that enough already, but you get to do more. So that's great. <laughs>
1: Of course.
0: (laughs) So, um, you know, I wanted to get your thoughts on on the Karnaschovas hire. And of course, I I laid out my thoughts for Bulls fans out there and and why I think this is, you know, the right time to make a move like this. I think many in Bulls Nation agree. But I want to get your initial thoughts on on the hiring and what you think of uh, Arturis Karnaschovas being brought on as the new vice president of basketball operations.
1: Yeah, so firstly, I just want to say I'm really pleased with how uh, Michael Reinsdorf and Jerry, whatever involvement he had with it, how how quickly this process happened. Uh, you know, personally, I wasn't expecting the Bulls to make a hire until maybe even when the the, the off season was legitimately legitimately about like set to start because obviously we don't know uh, what the future of the NBA has you know uh, in store for us. So I'm happy the Bulls firstly got this done quickly. Uh, the hiring process obviously happened quick. It was like one day, you know, four candidate candidates, and that's narrowed down to one within the next like few days. Uh, obviously, Kaneshovis, or Kaneshovis, however you want to pronounce it. Uh, I, I think it's a great heart. I also think it's, it was the best person available for the job. His reputation around the league is viewed very highly. Uh, obviously, he started off as a scout for Houston Rockets, and he worked his way up uh, to, to Denver for the last, what, several, seven, eight, nine seasons. Uh, he's turned De- Denver into a, you know, a tanking team to a, a true powerhouse in the Western Conference. are currently the second seed, and uh, they, they narrowly missed out on making the conference finals last season to... Uh, to play golden state so you know i think this is a great pickup for the bulls kanishavis is a great signing in terms of how he how he views uh player development how he views uh you know getting a new culture into this team and how he how he views rebuilding the team um uh, if you caught this interview he had uh, i think it was earlier today you know you see he doesn't like the, the uh the term rebuild and he wants the bulls to be competitive straight away and he wants to get the bulls back to you know being uh one of the best teams in the league, like they should be considering how big of a market Chicago is. So all the things this guy is saying has been really, really good. And uh, I'm excited.
0: You know, interesting thing. And I brought this up um, earlier before you, you hopped on. He comes from an interesting pedigree. And you, you brought this up too, that he's coming from an interesting environment in Denver where they really had to, you know, tear it down a little bit to the studs because of the situation they were in post Carmelo Anthony. And now look at them. They're they're a powerhouse in the Western conference. If you go back even to his time in Houston, that's a pretty collaborative front office to be a part of. So I think there's something to take from even that, that he's had these um, setups with some larger front offices that have a really good uh, collaborative setup, something that we really haven't seen here with, uh, with the Chicago Bulls.
1: Yes, I, I mean, I agree with that. It's it's about time. It's a long time coming and just bringing somebody in with new, uh, innovative, creative ideas to, to help this team get back on top. And I think, uh, as I mentioned earlier, the process and getting it was great. And I think Kanisha is going to uh, be exactly what this team needs, a new face that actually cares about developing players, creating a winning environment and creating a culture where, you know, free agents actually want to come to Chicago. I think that's something the Bulls have lacked for years. Uh, obviously the bulls haven't really had any success attracting free agents aside from, you know, Jabari Parker a couple of years ago. So, uh, hopefully this is the start of something here,
0: you know, and, and I want to just do this real quick. So b- prior to you coming on and, and your portion of the interview here, I've been calling him Karnashovis and that's probably just my own ineptitude. So from now on, I'm going to say Karnishovis. All right. Let's just establish that right now. Hey, real <laughs> I gotta... quick.
1: I actually said, I actually said the same thing for about two weeks on, on the bullish podcast and then, uh. Uh, my friend, Corey Taluba, who's uh, actually from Lithuania, Lithuanian descent, yeah, told me how it was pronounced, so uh, I think I've got that unlocked by now. Okay, cool. So, Karnishevus. It rolls off the tongue very nicely. Um,
0: what are some of the other moves that you think Karnishevus needs to make in the front office? What does he have to do to really get this to be a legitimate organizational structure?
1: Yeah, so one thing that's uh, been lacking from the Bulls is actually a big front office where there's a lot of people making decisions, not just one person being, you know, John Paxson made key decisions for for a long time. Uh, Kaneshevis wants to bring, I think he said, four assistant general managers and, and a you know, a true general manager. So I think that's huge that you're going to have a big board that are actually going to all have different ideas. It's not going to be the same approach to every different, uh, you know, situation in terms of trades, drafts, free agency, all that stuff. Uh, aside from that, uh, analytics department is saying the Bulls have lacked for years. I don't even think they had one aside from Doug Collins sitting at his at his desk with his calculator out. So, I mean, that's going to be big. And obviously, the scaling department needs to increase, too. I think that's something the Bulls uh, drastically need to work on. Not saying they don't scout well, but the more the merrier. And I think, you know, overall, if they can just continually increase his front office uh there's nothing to worry about. I think this is going to be something that we're going to be looking at in a few years and, and say, wow, this is the best thing the Bulls have done in a long time.
0: You know, um, I think you're giving Doug Collins too much credit. I don't even know if he would have a calculator. He he seems like a pen and paper kind of guy, or even like a pencil and paper kind of guy. Um, but I, I get what you mean. Like it's been a long time coming, you know, and I think the Bulls were always lacking. I think there was a report out there from Brian Windhorst that they spent, I think twenty eighth in the league in terms of their front office so it's about time that they're they're catching up with the rest of the league really getting into the 21st century with the front office
1: oh yeah oh yeah i think it's you know it's it's, it's a long time coming uh like i think the problem for bulls is that you know they're just not open to new ideas the old management just never opened to new ideas the bulls were extremely uh What's the word I'm looking for? I, I wouldn't really say old fashioned, but I would to some extent They do the things that they wanted to do in their way. They've been doing it for years. So Kanishavis and who he brings on, it's just a completely different approach. And I think he also brings new ideas too. He knows what it takes to build a contender in Denver. I know that uh, he's got a lot of connections around the league. Daryl Morey, uh, Rockets GM views him extremely highly. Uh, You know this guy has a really good reputation, and he knows what it's going to take to bring a bring a winning team back to Chicago. And also, it's funny because uh, the Denver roster, when he when he actually took over as general manager, were in a very similar situation to the Bulls. Uh, Jamal Murray was in uh, his rookie year, Mm -hmm. you know, similar to Kobe White. Uh, Nikola Jokic was in what his second or first year, uh, and he was saying you know scratch some potential. So, you know, I think it's a similar situation, and uh, I guess we'll see how this plays out. And, of
0: course, that's uh, as I guess, big claim to fame was that he was the one lobbying to get uh, Nikola Jokic in the second round, and that certainly has, has panned out. Um, so a lot's been made about Jim Boylan as well with uh, Karnishevich being brought on. There's been some reports out there. I know Joe Colley uh, sent out a tweet this evening about Boylan possibly still potentially having a, a chance to retain his job that there's a lot of uh, support from ownership and that you know Karnishevis is uh is going to try to make it work uh, maybe in the short term with the season still kind of in limbo right now the 2020 season still in limbo right now um but I do think that a lot of us agree the writing is probably on the wall that eventually Jim Boylan's going to be replaced and even probably for the 2021 season he'll he'll probably be replaced who do you think is on that short list of people to replace Jim Boylan as head coach?
1: Yeah, it's actually a really good question. In terms of uh, head coach, one name that does come to mind for me is Adrian Griffin, who I believe uh, was a Bulls assistant a few years ago, and he's been working for the Toronto Raptors. He was on he was a head assistant, lead assistant on the uh, championship team last season. I think he brings a different approach, like Kanišević, to the team. Uh, you know, he brings a modern style approach to, to the league. Uh, I think. Uh, Nick Nurse, Toronto Raptors head coach, uh, did, a, did an interview uh, talking about uh, Adrian Griffin a while back and saying that, you know, he, he was a huge part of Toronto's success. The players got along with him really nicely. I think he was a former player, too. And, uh, you know, his modern approach to the game is something that uh, was, was a reason for to Toronto won. He wasn't somebody that would stick to, you know, old-fashioned old things that the 2014 uh, San Antonio Spurs would use, like blitzing the pick and roll, like Jim Boylan thinks is still relevant with uh of an awful defensive team with the Chicago Bulls, so different approaches again. Like what Kanishavis brings, it's something that Adrian Griffin would bring to the table. Uh, in terms of other head coaches, it's, it's really hard to, hard to evaluate. Uh, Griffin's really the only person I actually know, you know, a, a decent amount about. Um, but honestly, I think they're going to interview a wide range of candidates for Chicago Bulls. And I don't, I do think Jim Boylan's job is in jeopardy here. I don't think he's actually going to, you know, make it for another season. I think maybe this is uh, Kanishvish's way of you know, being nice and giving him some time to evaluate him sort of thing. But, I mean, we can only hope for the best. But seeing Jim Boylan stay on, seeing how his personality, you know, will clash with Karnishevich, they're both extremely different people. Jim Boylan does a lot of ass-looking. I don't know if I can say that on here, but, you no, know, I don't no, think. <laughs>
0: all for it.
1: You know, I don't think Karnishevich is going to like that stuff, man. Honestly, uh, I think Jim Boylan's on his way out. Well, see, on this show we call uh, Jim
0: Boylan the talking tackle testicle
1: so it's totally fine
0: he's <laughs> i love that. He's the
1: testicle in a suit man i think it's honestly the that's the best jim Boylan, you know uh comparison i've actually heard all day
0: <laughs> well i mean you look at the head i mean it's kind of looks like a ball sack i'm just saying honestly though um when it comes to to adrian griff there's been a lot of reports out there sort of tying his name to it One of the endorsements that I heard as well, in addition to to Nick Nurse, was Tom Thibodeau. Tom Thibodeau on Chicago Sports Radio last week, he was on ESPN 1000 over here, and he was uh, very complimentary of Adrian Griffin and, in fact, called him overqualified because he's been so ready for years. So I think that would be a really interesting hire for the Bulls. Other names that have have floated out there, one big one, of course, is uh, Kenny Atkinson. So... Those would be some interesting names to, to join the Chicago Bulls as head coach. Um, you brought up a little earlier that Karnishev has brought up in, a, in an interview today on, um, it's actually at 670 The Score, about, you know, he doesn't like the, the term rebuild and he kind of wants this to be something that could be quick. Uh, but I'll ask you, um, truthfully, do you think he's looking to retool with the current core? So Levine, Markkanen, Kobe White, Wendell Carter, or do you think that he might consider making some shrewd moves and kind of tearing it down from the studs and doing this his own way? Truthfully, if you inject him with that truth serum right now, what do you think he would actually
1: do? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. I think for uh, Kanishavis, it's really tough to evaluate. I know everybody gave Paxton a lot of crap for this, but you know, the Bulls still don't really know what they have with a young talent aside from Zach Levine. Kobe White had like four months of awful play and then obviously he, he was really great that last uh, month and a half before the season uh, shut down. You know what you have in Zach Levine. He's 25 years old with a couple of years left on his deal. He's going to give you 25 points per game. He's he's working on his defense. It's still obviously a flaw to his game, but, you know, he's not as bad as, as a defender as people like to, you know, dive into that narrative. Uh, Larry Markkinen is someone the Bulls really have to... I don't want to say make a decision on. I think make, uh, trading him makes no sense considering he's still on his rookie contract, meaning, you know, you trade Markin and you're going to get equal value back. And that looks like Kevin Knox and two second round picks. You know, that's something that's not going to make your team any better when you've got a guy like Markinen who, yeah, he had it down, yeah, but this guy still has a lot of potential to be something something really good. Wendell Carter Jr. is another interesting player. I think he's actually been, I think Wendell Carter can be a really good NBA player. Uh, But right now he's only flashed a very small amount of offensive potential aside from being a really, really great interior defender. So I think Wendell Carter is left left uh, off the hook a little bit in terms of him being judged as a player when you, when people you know are going off at uh, Larry Markkinen. I still think Wendell Carter has a lot of holes in his game, but as do the rest of his young core. So I think what Carnius has to do firstly, I, I really wouldn't consider trading any of them uh, or at least exploring the trade market until uh, next year's trade deadline. Now, if you land, say, the second pick or the first pick in this year's draft and take LaMelo Ball, uh, that makes Zach Levine extremely expendable because you're going to have three guards of Kobe White, Zach Levine, and LaMelo Ball. And you think of the idea of a 19-year-old LaMelo Ball and a, and a barely 20-year-old Kobe White in the backcourt, and that sounds way more exciting. You get your playmaker, you get another person that can break down a defense. And Zach Levine, uh, obviously, Zach Levine's contract is in its uh, its peak year. He's got two years left. He, he, he's coming off his best season yet. This is the best time to trade him. Now, I don't advise trading Zach Levine. But if you're going to take Lomelo Ball, uh, who, who potentially is going to be a very, very good point guard, that makes that makes Zach Levine expendable. Uh, you know, But if not, if say you're going to get the seventh pick again, I think you let this roster play out with Levine, Markkinen, uh Porter Jr., who's also expendable considering he's, he's uh, uh, on his last year of his deal, Wendell Carter and Larry Markinen, And you need to construct a system, especially offensively, uh, that makes them all fit with each other because that was a problem the Bulls have had uh, a lot this season in terms of Zach Levine not be able to fit with Larry Markkinen you know Larry Markkinen not be able to fit with Zach Levine and you know as the season progressed it was kind of just we'll do what we want sort of thing there is no real systematic approach to the offense so uh, yeah one last thing I don't think the Bulls are going to move any of these guys maybe Zach is looked at as a uh, as somebody that's on the market if the Bulls do pick LaMelo Ball, but that's going to be something that uh, is going to take a lot of consideration considering Zach's contract versus production is one of the best in the league. He's earning $18 million a year. He's giving you, you know, really, really good production. Uh, it's going to be a tough decision to be, to be made if the Bulls do want to move off Zach. I'm definitely not, you know, I'm not for or against it. I think if it's going to make your team better, do it. If it's not, if it's just trading it for the sake of trading and, you know, don't do it.
0: Yeah, that that contract also is, is a really... It's advantageous for the Bulls right now too you know it's interesting with that core four you you kind of brought this up too the there's three guys on there sort of with that incomplete grade Larry Wendell and Kobe White and I feel like um it honestly goes to uh point about player development that he's really brought up in his introductory press conference and in in some of the interviews he's done since then that player development is key right now and I think I kind of see more of that route of a year evaluation, where this might be maybe a little bit more of a retool, so he can evaluate what that core four can do with the right uh, player development strategy, and then maybe, you know, again, the right head coach in place that can get the best out of these guys, because I think some of the issues we've seen with Wendell Carter, Larry Markkinen, and I think even to an extent, Kobe White kind of plays into some of the the ills that Jim Boylan's had as a head coach at least in my opinion I think some of it's been uh, some of that growth's been stunted and we really haven't seen the best of them yet because of some of the uh, the issues that we've had with Boylan in the last year and a half
1: yeah, I think that's a good thing. It's really good you brought that up because the problem with uh, Jim Boylan, ever since he was you know, implemented to the Bulls as a head coach in uh, December of 2018, uh, we saw back backward uh, development. You know, Wendell Carter Jr. was going the opposite way in his offensive development under Fred Hoiberg. Wendell was shooting threes. He was taking mid-ranges consistently. He was playing with confidence. You know, he wasn't stuck out on the perimeter blitzing a pick and roll game long. I actually, uh, we're getting Wendell Carter Jr. on our podcast, on our on our Blue Shoes podcast. You know, actually, funnily enough, I play Xbox of the guy. So, uh, you know, me and him talk a little bit about this stuff. And he, and you know, just speaking off the record here, he doesn't like uh, you know, the blitz pick and roll. He he's a rim protector, and obviously that's what rim protectors should be doing, protecting the rim. Wendell Carter is a great shot blocker. Having him out on the perimeter, you know. Basically chucking double teams and playing half court traps at at point guards makes absolutely no sense for him. Daniel Gafford makes no sense for him. You know, Wendell Carter's development as a defender, I believe has gone backwards too, because coming into the league, he was already, he was already set to be a, a really, really great interior defender. We saw it in summer league. We saw it in his rookie year. Wendell Carter is still the same player as an interior defender, uh, obviously his block numbers have gone down, but that doesn't really mean anything considering how you know he's been used on defense. He, he's the backbone of the defense, and he's not being used right at all. And especially offensively, the Bulls have no idea how to use Wendell Carter on offense. You know he's got a really nice passing game. He can pass out of the post. He can pass out of the perimeter. I think he probably threw maybe like five passes this season, and, and all of those came out of offensive rebounds when he was told to not go back up with it. So his his offensive develop, the development has taken a step back. Larry Markman was a, was a, you know he was great under Fred Hoiberg. Larry Markin's rookie year, he made the All-Rookie First Team. He was he was he was awesome. I, I was extremely uh surprised how Larry Markin turned out because you know I I didn't really know what to expect from him with the seventh pick, and he, he was he was great. All-Rookie First Team. Second year of Boylan, yeah, he had the February month, but people are forgetting that you know Boylan didn't come in and change the systematic approach to how the Bulls play. This was still Fred Hoiberg's system when the Bulls fired him. It was some slight adjustments to it by the time they got to February and the Bulls had already lost 45 games, it was just kind of just show up and ball and do whatever you want to do. That's where Larry Markin is the most effective. When you say, do what you want, you're going to have the ball and we're going to do whatever we can to get you the ball. And you just go, you just go from there. And that's why Larry Martin had that huge February month. under Underborne this year, you know, some of it's on market in terms of him being as the, the uh, missing the, the open threes and all that, obviously he hasn't been used correctly at all. Uh, but you know, that's all a bit, that's all on him too. not making the shots. So I think, you know, Larry Markinen doesn't really get a pass, but neither does Jim Boyle. And then you quickly, you just talk about Kobe White. Uh, I think when he was on that rookie uh, that rookie slump for like a good two and a half months, uh, that was a, the worst thing the Bulls could have done in terms of shutting his development, in terms of making him a spot-up shooter, giving him less of a role offensively and giving him less minutes. Kobe White was down to 22 minutes in November. And, uh, you know, I think that we would have seen that Kobe White breakout come a lot earlier if the Bulls actually gave him not necessarily the key to the offense, but, you know, just a larger role in general. And uh, Zach Levine, no matter how well he's done, he hasn't been used correctly either because the Bulls want him... Boylan wants him to run an offense full-time when Zach Levine can... You know, let's be real. Zach is not going to run an NBA offense as a lead facilitator on a good team. So every, every one of these guys have been into a bad role. And I think you know one thing Kanishavis needs to do cuz he's the king of player development and with the Bulls bringing Kenny Atkinson who's great at that too is recognizing where these guys can be most effective and trying to do whatever they can to put them in position to uh, to succeed cuz i believe personally all four of these guys can be really damn good nba players
0: well and i think that's spot on too and and what's crazy is i think all four of them have specific skills you really like the key is how do they meld together and i think that you definitely have to evaluate at least in the next in the next year, whenever we whenever basketball starts up again, the you know, fingers crossed, you, you have to be able to, I think, see that before you can make any judgments on this.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I think that the Bulls have to get it to the trade deadline if they don't shop Levine at the draft, which we'll I don't think they do. It was just kind of kind of a theory I had tr- I chucked out there because obviously taking a point guard kind of changes the the uh the approach to the roster. Right. But yeah, I think they give it they give it to the trade deadline. Look, people say trade Larry Markkinen because he had a down year. That makes no sense at all. You know, Larry Markkinen is ex- extension eligible this season. and are not going to extend him. I, I really doubt that. Uh, they might chuck him, you know, some really small shitty deal that he's not going to accept. And he's going to back himself on having a huge next year, which I believe he's truly capable of. So, you know, the Bulls just have to really just make sure these guys are put into the best position to succeed. Uh, make sure the head coach, whether it's boiling or not actually has the right ideas on how to use these guys. I know Karnischewis isn't going to, you know, Karnischewis is going to have a role in terms of how this team actually plays. I know Paxson, Paxson probably had a role in it, but I think he wasn't actually as vocal about how he wanted his guys to be used like uh, Karnischewis is going to be. So, you know, give it to the trade deadline, see what these guys are capable of, see how they all mesh with each other as you mentioned too. That's a great point. And, and honestly, just see what you have with these guys. Let them play, let them do their thing and just let this talent go to work, man.
0: So. And I want to wrap up with with this. So, if you were if you were you know, all things being equal, if whenever the off season begins, uh, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty right now. But um, when the off season begins, what what would be your plan to sort of get the the rest of the team built? Saying you know you keep the core four, what are some of the other moves that you think need to be made to the roster to maybe just make this a little bit more competitive? And bring out the best in in those core players we talked about.
1: Yeah, so the first thing the Bulls have to establish is uh, you've got your main pieces, and who else is in that? Who else you know kind of fits into that mold? I think the draft is is really going to be a, a, an important time for the Bulls because this draft is going to be extremely hit and miss. Uh, there's a lot of players with you know, with nice potential, but obviously they have very high bust rates too. That, that goes for the Mellow Ball too. He flashed all the all the right skills aside from his shooting ability, and when he was playing in the NBL. But, you know, Lamello Bull is, is definitely not somebody that's going to come in and be uh, a Ja Morant or a Zion Williamson. This draft needs to be viewed extremely differently for the Bulls. They really have to get this right. I'm not saying these guys, whoever they selected, say pick five is going to be, you know, the best player out of this core, But they just need to make sure it's somebody that's not going to be, you know, a, a complete a complete bust. Secondly, I think Thaddeus Young becomes tradable for the Bulls. I know they did try to move him, or at least, you know, according to Joe Cowley and Casey Johnson, they tried to move him at the deadline to the Clippers, but the Clippers, uh, they got a deal done with, uh, who was it, Marcus Morris, so that kind of that kind of ended those trade talks. So I think Thaddeus Young is still uh, expendable for the Bulls. He's got one year left on his deal before he's got a team option. Uh, Obviously, the Bulls probably wouldn't pick that up considering they're going to head into into 2021 free agency with as much cap room as possible. And you look at these other guys too. Otto Porter Jr. is coming off a down year. That contract is pretty much untradeable. Maybe you can get off him uh, at the trade deadline instead of letting him walk in free agency. Maybe if, you know, he's actually healthy and he's giving you production on the court. Tomas Sadoransky is an interesting player. You know, he was signed to be a very good three point shooter, a very good complimentary piece. The complimentary piece was good, but the three point shooting wasn't. He was 29% from three since uh, December. I think too, you can shop Sadaransky if the price is right. You know, I think all of these guys that are on like semi-big deals, even Felicio, Felicio is an expiring deal. People are gonna laugh at this without being aware, you know, of the situation. Felicio is expiring, that gives that gives him trade value when, you know, you chuck him on as as a, as a contract filler. So Felicio, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up on the team if Carney Sherber's can work his magic. I think all these guys except Levine, Mark White, and Carter, are gonna be on this roster until at least uh at least the free agency period next year. And even then, you know realistically, aside from Zach, considering he's actually on a proper deal, three of these guys are on rookie contracts. You don't know you're going to get out of them. Like, in my opinion, I don't know how you view this, Matt, but I just don't see the point in trading these guys.
0: Oh, no, and especially, you know, you brought up earlier about Larry Markkinen, and there's been a lot of buzz in Chicago about, you know, potentially moving somebody like him to get assets. It's kind of a dumb move to do right now because, really, he's at his lowest uh, possible value right now. You kinda of wanna see what you can get out of him and if he improves and, you know, maybe a year from now, if there's a free agent in your sites, I'll I'll spitball a name. Like let's say, you know, Giannis is available. Well then maybe you shop Laurie then, get some, you know, draft equity, get another role player that might fit better. You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of
1: pointless to trade somebody at their lowest possible value. Oh, yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think Larry Markkinen, you know, the thing that I have to always reiterate when people talk about Larry Markkinen is that it's really easy to evaluate him on 50 bad games when he was playing through, you know, three injuries, mm-hmm. bad form. Uh, obviously, the coaching systematic approach really hurt him. Uh, I, I can't speak from actually, you know, having conversations with Markkinen, but it was just so obvious that, you know, he wasn't enjoying playing basketball footballs. So his facial expressions were just awful, yeah. And, mm-hmm. and obviously the reports came out. He's not happy in Chicago. He's not happy with Jim Boylan. So, I mean, that kind of clear, clears the air of marketing, you know, it's it's really rare that your second year Ford is going to come right off an elbow, a really serious elbow injury. Your second year Ford and average 19 points and nine rebounds, you know, and have a, a legitimate superstar month in February. Yes, it's an outlier, but you know, you have to try and work out what you can do to get back to these outlier months and have, have these guys putting forward consistent production because, we've seen it with Markinen. you know it wasn't just three games like kobe white stretch was like in terms of three 30 point games Markinen was giving you like 27 points and 10 rebounds like like 12 straight nights uh 12 straight games so you have to try and work out how we can get this guy back to you know doing what he's capable of. i think larry Markinen still has a really high ceiling that hasn't changed on me considering the circumstances of the season and yeah just trading him just doesn't make sense you, you know what he can do i think chris stapps porzingis you know, is another one of these only players in the league, his only unicorns in the league that can that are legitimate seven footers that can put the ball on the floor and actually, you know, shoot the three consistently. It's a really rare breed. Giannis can't do it. Like he can do everything else, but Giannis doesn't have that shooting touch for a really big guy. You know, Larry Martin has a lot of value in this league. So it's just about it's just about getting him to just ball out. Like if I'm gonna be honest with you, just training him makes no sense. He's on a rookie deal. The return is going to suck. You know, you're talking Dennis Smith Jr. It's it's not gonna be something that the Bulls you know want. But, I, I mean, yeah, that's all I've got to say about Marken. I think he's just got really nice potential still. I haven't given up on him yet. And uh, I think this season is really just uh, make or break for him, this upcoming season.
0: Mm-hmm. No, and I, I agree. I do think that, you know, we've seen enough. If you go to his rookie year, his sophomore year, and I think even you saw flashes this year, I think we've seen evidence that he can play in this league. I think it, it's not like Laurie Marken just forgot how to play basketball, so... I do think that he still has even some value on the court. You know, before I let you go, wanted to uh, give you a chance to let people know where they can find Bullish and uh, where they can find some of your, your other work.
1: Yeah, so uh, Bullish Hoops, we've been around since uh, November this year. Uh, we've got some great guests coming on the line: Matt Peck and C. Fred, talking Denzel Valentine. We're currently in the midst of doing, uh, you know, season rewind, season recaps of every player on the roster. Um yeah, as I mentioned, we've got some great guests coming on. So if you guys want to f- check some of that out, just Bullish Hoops anywhere, uh, anywhere you get your podcast, anywhere on social media, we're there. Uh, it's my personal stuff. You know, writing writing for Sports Sportsnet, covering the Bulls. Uh, you know, really enjoy doing that. have got, got a couple of pieces coming out. Uh, one being, what does new management mean for Zach Levine? Kind of just touching on some of the points that I mentioned here earlier. So uh, that's really it for me, for me, man. I appreciate you getting me on. And uh, this has been a really good chat.
0: Uh, yeah, no, and I know. And I really enjoyed it, too. I've been a fan from afar of your work on Twitter. I've, I've listened to Bullish. It's really great. I think um, I said this before you came on. I think you're one of the up and comers in the, in the Bulls blogosphere and the podcasting world. So keep up the great work and we'll definitely have you on again to, to chat about the Bulls.
1: Sounds good, man. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. You're, you're more than welcome to get on Bullish Hoops uh, whenever you want. <laughs> All right, man. We'll, we'll make it happen. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to the Rebuildable Podcast. Be sure to check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, and wherever else you get your podcasts.